I'm going to ask you to go to chapter 2, verse 16 of, of Matthew. Verse 2 and 16 says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. It goes on with a prophecy there shortly after of speaking of Rachel and, and Benjamin. But I want to just speak to you on the simple topic of killing potential. Killing potential. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your promises today in this word. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that's moving here today. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd have your way. I'm asking you, God, to speak. I pray that you destroy anything that comes against your word. I pray you destroy anything that is fighting against your word. I pray in Jesus' name that you would move in and do a work against anything that comes against what you're doing. Lord, have your way. Lord, be not merciful to those that come against you, God. But I pray, Lord, as your word is declared, that you will come in in a swift way. I'm asking, Lord, let potential live. Let potential live. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. We read a story about a farmer who was challenged by a statement that was once said. The statement was, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the amount of apples in a seed. What a statement. What a, what a statement that you and I bring to life our our thinking beyond what we know, you see, many times we feel as if we know. We feel as if we can measure out the, the raw and the real and the tangible that's in front of us. We feel as if you and I can, can almost forecast out what it might be. Now, farmers will do that very thing. Farmers will look and say, as you drive through, not long ago, I drove through 67 to St. Louis, and as you look in those fields, you see these wonderful placed rows of, of um, you know, beans and, and, and cotton and all these other things that we grow here. And I believe, am I right, that we're one of the larger, largest producers of rice? Is that right? If not the largest? And so you have farmers that will look and say, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to harvest this much. And they can calculate that in a sense. One farmer had done that when he heard this statement. He was challenged by it because they had a very, very rainy season. And he wrote... With something in the envelope to, this, to, the, to the one that he heard speak such a truth that challenged him, he heard this, and, and, and then this shift happened. He said, I had calculated what we would do, and we had an incredibly rainy season. He said, the rainy season came in, and, and I feared the worst. And he said, as it was now time for the harvest, I could not get to my crop. And so he said, I, 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 we almost lost everything. And he said, I was out there one day walking, and I hoped in these, this soybean field where I was wading in the water, and my crops were dying, and, 
And we had done so much and worked so hard, and this was part of our, our main source of our livelihood. He said in this letter that I walked out, and I, and I walked up on one soybean plant. He said that when he walked up to it, he found one unique plant that was off to the side a little bit. He had never noticed it before. He had never realized what it was before and never thought about about the potential that lied within. But he said, I remembered what you said. And, and he said, when I walked over, I was shocked by its size and its good looks. This plant was unique in every way. I went and carefully picked off the pods that were there. He said, I lost everything, but now I find this plant has 202 pods. And I opened them and counted out the 503 soybeans. I took them home. I kept them in a pan all winter, and they dried out. He said, the next spring, they just seemed, this is back in 1977, the next spring, they just, they just he said, that, that, that they just seemed special. There was something about these resilient uh, um, soybeans that were now something I dried out to make a seed. And he said, I, I took them in 1978, and I had 503 soybeans. I planted them in a little pot behind my house. And when October came, I harvested 32 pounds. 32 pounds, he wrote. I dried them out in the winter. And in 1979, I took those 32 pounds and I planted them on one acre. And when October came, I harvested 2,409 pounds. And I planted them on 60 acres. And when all of that took place and all that happened, he said, every bit of land I had, I planted. And in October... Just a year ago, when he wrote this, I harvested 2,100 bushels and cashed it out for thousands and thousands of dollars. He wrote that when I walked out and saw the water, I knew that this is bad. When I saw the harshness of the the the. the the environment, when I saw what took place, I knew all the work I'd put in now is this is not good. And he said, I, I had no hope. And it was, it was the struggle that he had now that he looked at all the work that was now gone. But one statement that he heard months prior to that now allowed him to shift his mind to potential. And when he walks up on one large plant, as he noted, a good-looking plant, he, he, he took his eyes from just now a few soybeans now to the fact that only God knows what those soybeans, uh, uh, what, what the potential is in those, what they could produce. Only God sees that. And, and what I've simply come to tell you today is the enemy. The enemy also looks and sees you, not as just one, not just where you are, not just what you got going on, but that when the enemy sees you, the enemy looks and sees your potential. The enemy looks at you and notices what you're dealing with. Historians tell us that King Herod or Herod the great, as he liked to be called, was a cruel, power-hungry ruler who destroyed anyone he feared was trying to take his throne from him. He even killed several members of his own family because he thought they were plotting um, against him. And, and when a group of wise men or scholars came to Jerusalem shortly after Jesus was born, they asked one question, where 
could they find the newly born king of the Jews. The king did not like this. The king wasn't, wasn't sure about this, the talk of a king. And, and, he, and he heard this. He, they, they added, we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when the word of this reached King Herod, he sent for them and urged them to find the child, to find this child. And what he said is he wanted to worship him Two, which we know wasn't the case. This is not the approach that he had, but Herod was simply lying. His, his real goal was to come and destroy the child, fearing, fearing that in time Jesus would take over his throne. God warned the wise men of Herod's plot in a dream. And after Herod realized they had evaded him, he ordered the death of every child in Bethlehem below, below the age. Of two, he looked at the time that Jesus would have been born, and he said, "Let's not find Jesus. Let's find anybody that would have been in that area at this time." Bethlehem would not have had that many people. It could have had a, a population of fifteen to two thousand people, fifteen hundred to two thousand. So the reality is, some historians say that the amount of children that would have been killed would have been anywhere from twenty to thirty-five. Probably would have been the ballpark. Although that's not the thousands, we all. Oftentimes think any child is too many. But why, my question would be, why would Herod fear a child? Why would Herod fear fear a baby? Why would Herod look at a, a, a small, a small baby that cannot place uh, thoughts together fully so it might be at that age, cannot request what they want, cannot say, I need this or I need that, can't tell you, hey, it's time for me to go to the bathroom. Some would have been questioning what was going on. The reality was is that Herod was not fearing Jesus in what he was, but Herod was fearing Jesus in what he could be be. Herod was fearing where this might go. Herod was declaring that I don't like where this is headed. I don't like the potential of this. I don't like what's possible when I get the belief with the one that's called. I don't like what may could possibly happen. I don't like what there's a chance of taking place. I'm not sure about this. And so Herod, with everything he had, sent all he had to go find Jesus. Thank God his parents got out. His parents took him to Egypt. His parents walked away from everything they knew. But why did it take place? It happened because of the potential. And what I've come this morning to say in a very simple way is some are feeling like, what am I doing wrong? What's going on in my life? I feel like I'm being attacked. You're wondering how in the world things might change because you look around and you think, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I'm doing all I can. I'm living faithfully. I'm doing the, I've turned it around. What I've come to tell you is there's nothing you're doing wrong right now. But what the enemy is noticing is if they keep on going the way they're going, and if they keep living faithfully, if they keep believing, if they keep planted in the Word of God, they have potential to turn this world upside down. You see, we fool ourselves and think that the enemy's coming after what we have. No, the enemy's coming after what you may have. We think the enemy's coming after what I've got going on. No, the enemy looks and says, I know what they possess, and I know what they have, and I know where this is going. If I don't stop them now, then there's no turning back. 
You see, many, many times we fail to realize that God also sees potential. God sees potential. But if we hold it up like a badge, then we lose it. But yet, if we take the potential and we go through a process, the farmer said, I took the seeds and I didn't send them on the way right away because you aren't always, you aren't always ready to be productive. Sometimes you've got to go through a process. Sometimes you've got to go through a moment where you're set aside. You can't be harvested today, but you're placed aside. You go through a drying process. Why? Because that's the only way the seed will sprout. If you go through the process, I go through the moment of not knowing why I'm not being fed. Not knowing why I feel far from it. Not knowing why I feel alone. But yet, there's a moment and a time where the Lord says, I only know what the potential is of the seed. And in that moment, the Lord calls himself to a place where he rounds up all the potential and he places it in the ground and the very thing you thought was there to destroy you is only there to lift you up. He covers it up with the grass. I mean the dirt. He covers it and waters it and all the goodness and mercy he possesses and in that moment begins a possible a possibility in your life to know that what God was calling me to do is set up in my future. Is now available to me. The Lord didn't look at Jesus as a threat in what he was in that moment. He looked at him. I'm sorry, Herod didn't look at him in that way. But, the, but Herod looked at Jesus and said, where this may go will be a problem for me. Every trial, every misunderstanding, every bit of confusion, there's potential in it. Every hurt, every bit of every bit of, of, of fleshly things we bring in, there's potential. There's potential in it. I'm coming to speak to somebody today. I feel strong and I feel heavy. I felt all week long simply the word of potential. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I felt strongly, strongly the word of potential. I feel strongly to let somebody know the potential lies in your hands. You either give it to the enemy or you give it to God. You either say, I'm going to let you go with this or you give it to God. There's potential lying in you. There's potential that is there. That is, there is something that you have and you hold. And I've got to make up in my mind who is going to take Take hold of this. Do I trust the process of the Lord? Or do I harvest it easily in the hands of the enemy? I've got to make up in my mind. It's not okay for me to kill potential. It's not all right. There's potential in things shifting in the night. There's potential for things shifting in the day. There's potential for things to shift on a Monday morning when you're on your way to work. There's potential for things to shift on a Tuesday after work. There's potential for things to shift Wednesday at the lunch hour when you thought nothing was going to change. But all of a sudden, finally, the word of the Lord comes forth. There's potential for things to shift on a Thursday night when you just came home. And it seems like the world's upside down, but yet you walk in and you one more time remain faithful because you go in. And you take your hand, the hand of your wife your husband and you say we're going to make it there's potential on a Friday night when it seems like everything's gone crazy and it seems like everything's been against you there's potential there's potential on a Saturday morning when you wake up on a day of rest finally but you yet know that God I want you to move there's potential there's potential when you walk in after a long week and you throw on whatever you want to put on and you walk up those stairs and you say this is the day the Lord has made and I'll rejoice and be glad 
God in it. There's potential. There's potential. There's potential. There's potential. There's potential. Only God knows what potential there might be. Only God knows where you might go. Only God sees what can come. Don't let the enemy stop it. Don't let the enemy push it down. But declare that it will come to pass in my life. There's potential. I look at Scott and Nikki Carpenter who are here. Or we're borrowing them right now. Someday they'll be back far away from here. But I'm telling you right now, in the days of borrowing them, there's potential for what they're doing. There's potential for the prayers we're praying. There's potential for where they're headed. In an access challenge nation, there's potential. You see, the enemy says, no, I'm going to take a stronghold on this area. But God says, I've got a seed and I've got the same way with you in your job. There's potential in you. There's potential in you. There's potential. There's potential when you walk into a Walgreens and you see, you see an ailment. There's potential. Let me tell you real quick. I, I didn't when I when I moved back home. I didn't expect to be coaching football. I'm the offensive line and defensive line coach for the fifth and sixth grade junior Badgers. Y'all didn't know about that, did you? My old coach called me and said, listen, they've asked me to do this, and if I'm going to do it, then I'm asking you to help me. I know, I know. There was a time we said, oh, we don't do that. I know, I know. And I'm not meaning that against anybody. I'm not meaning that at all. All I know is there's potential for every Tuesday evening and every Thursday evening and Saturday morning right now for a young man to look at me. And they, some of them called me coach the other day. One of them called me pastor coach. Here's the thing, last year they had an offensive line, defensive line coach that had to bleep out every other word. And this year they've got a Holy Ghost field apostolic pastor. So you can measure that how you want. But I'll tell you there's potential. There's potential that young men are going to grow up in Arkadelphia. And remember, pastor coach used to encourage them on a field, and now they may can find encouragement in a house of the Lord. What I'm telling you is you don't clock in and clock out of your faith. You walk it wherever you may go. You walk into the football field. You walk into the school. You walk into the workplace. You walk into your neighbor's house, and you walk knowing that God can do a work in my life. In Jesus' name. Saturday morning, we had an unfortunate thing happen in the little football practice. Pastor Greg Latham's grandson, Jackson Freeman, is a part of my football team. And I hope I'm not doing anything wrong here by saying this. But Jackson's about that tall with the biggest smile. And when I saw him, I thought, man, it's going to be good having you. But I'm not sure we're going to really get much use out of you. I don't mean this in a bad way. I love him. I absolutely love this kid. He has surprised me. He shows up, and he smiles, and he's been working hard, and, and he, he comes after practice and says, how am I doing, coach? I say, Jackson, you're doing so good, bud. You are doing so good. And his, his, his uh, mom reached out to Coach Forth and said, Jackson is loving it. And I never thought he would, but he loves being out there. And then, then we had an unfortunate thing happen. He, he, he had his hand, we, we believe, was already weak somehow. Maybe had hurt it before, but his arm broke, and he laid there on the ground on Saturday morning, and he had a break. You could tell, and we didn't want to say it, but, man, I, 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 about, I about had to go run away. It, was, it did not look very, very pretty, Jackson. If you get to listen to this, I don't know. But, anyways, it didn't look too pretty. And I quickly went to coach and said, we got to get his mom here. Luckily, his mom was sitting up in the car. And I went up and pulled her car down. We got him, to the, we got him quickly to the hospital, and 
he had a clean break, but here's why I couldn't help myself. Because before, before he got up, I know his dad, his grandfather, pastors, of our friend's church down the road. These are our friends. These are our good friends. Third Street is a friend of this church, and we love them. We absolutely love the good people of Third Street Baptist Church. Let me tell you right now, that's a church that's in the community doing everything. They help in every way. They support everything. We, we can learn a few things from our good friends down the road. And we love the fact that we've got a close relationship with them. But I called, I called uh, uh, Greg Latham in a hurry, and I said, hey, here's what just happened. He said, oh, my goodness, thanks for letting me know. And, 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 and Sister Betty, uh, his wife, was doing a showing, I believe, in Gurdon at the time. And, and I, I, Jackson got in the car. I helped him in the car, and he was crying. I said, Jackson, here's what I want to tell you real fast. I'm your coach, but I also, as you know, I pastor. And before he left, I said, I'm going to do this with you, okay? And he, I said, what would your grandfather do? He said, I don't know. I said, well, I got a feeling he'd pray. And so right there with his mom in the car and two brothers in the car, I reached up and I put my hand on Jackson and I said, you see why? Because there's potential. I know it's a football practice, but there's potential. There's potential. And so I reached up and I put my hand on him. I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, touch Jackson. I pray help his arm, help the doctors. I pray get him there safely. And I'm asking in your name to put your hand upon him. And I said, y'all go as fast as you can. But I spoke the name of Jesus over Jackson. Why did I do that? Because in everything we do, I've got to know that there's only 202 soya beans. But if I take them and I put them through a process and I go here, then I go there and I work hard and I break the soil open and I dig deep and I dig deep and I dig deep and I dig deep and I I put them under, then I know God can do something with it. God can make a way. God God can change a life. But I've come to tell you right now, as you feel like you're feeling because he sees where you're going. You feel the weight of life because the enemy has identified something in you. You feel the weight of bitterness because the enemy has de- identified something in you. You feel the weight of confusion because the, identi- the, the enemy has identified potential that you have. You feel the weight of resistance because the enemy has sent everything it had where the star was and said, go find them. You feel the weight of hurt and failure and, and all that may come. Why? Because the enemy did not see you for what you were. But the enemy saw you for what you could be. The enemy said, if this is where, if this is where they're headed, then everything we've got, we got to send at them. Everything I've got, go after them. You go after every child from two and under. I don't care what their mom looks like. I don't care what their father's doing. When you get there, you go in that house and you take that child from them. You take it from them and you walk away and you don't look back. You get every, you search every bedroom. You search every, every room. You search every closet. He told them, you go. No one's taking my throne. Why? Why? Because I had a stronghold. I've got a stronghold on this city. I want addicts and I want, I want, I want all the strong the stuff and I want failure and I want the hurt you don't if you go they're starting to win addicts you go to that church and you bring confusion on those people you go to that church and you bring hurt on those people you, you they're going to start reaching out for the community you go to them you send every demon and everything you can after everybody you bring you bring all you can make sure they feel the pressure of it make sure they know I don't care who they are make sure they that's what the enemy's trying to do You understand me right now? It's not about what we're doing, 
but it's the potential of what we're doing. That's why I'm not backing down from any spirit of rebellion. I'm not backing down. I'm telling you right now, I'm here for the fight. I'm here for the long haul. Why? Because sometimes to grow a great crop, sometimes to have a great harvest, sometimes to see what God's going to do, you've got to wait it out. You've got to wait it out. You've got to make up in your mind that I'm staying the course. There will be a harvest. There will be a harvest. But the potential resides in you. What I'm asking today, before we all come, every eye closed just for a moment, if there's somebody in this house and you feel like God has challenged you, but you also feel like the enemy heard that challenge, and you feel like you've been fought left and right, you feel like it's been nonstop, you just can't, you can't seem to break free from it. What I'm asking you right now is to make a declaration in your heart and your spirit. And I'm asking you, if you feel comfortable doing so, I'm not going to force you. You can stand there and lift your hands up too. But I'm asking right now if you'll make a declaration by simply stepping out from where you are and come down to this altar and simply say, God, I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to let anybody kill the potential that you see in me. I'm going to reach and I'm going to love and I'm going to serve and I'm going to be rooted in you. I want what you have for me, oh God, I ask you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I'm asking you right now to dig deep. I'm asking you right now to let the Lord now come and do a work in your life. You might be at the beginning of the process. You might be in the middle of the process, but you might also be getting planted right now. But I've come to tell you that blessings, blessings, blessings and miracles are coming. There's things that are going to begin to grow. There's things that are happening. There's things that are shifting. I believe it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you lift your voice to him right now? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I worship you, Jesus. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. Yes, Jesus. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Yeah. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. See, my God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends Oh, I know how this story ends I'm gonna 
For the 